from Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Hello and welcome into another episode of the show. My name is Matt West. I'm hanging out with you in the shadow of beautiful Pikes Peak, but enjoying some of the uh, great driving weather uh, here in Colorado right now. It's just cold enough that, you know, engines really start taking advantage of that power um, and uh, the tires are getting a little cold now too. But hey, what what can you do? It has been great driving weather here with beautiful colors. I gotta love it. So one thing I want to get into um, before we get too far into some of the topics on today's show, which, by the way, are fantastic. We got a lot of great things to talk about. I saw so I saw this recent study that says men cause more climate emissions than women. Now, this study comes out of Sweden, uh, but does find that men are substantial or uh, have a substantial contribution to uh, the amount of CO2 uh, produced. And this all breaks down to driving because apparently statistically men do a little bit more driving than women that also relates to uh this relates to other things too but driving was the biggest uh contributing factor to it and i was just looking at and looking at that and thinking well come on ladies you gotta you gotta catch up to to men as far as your uh your greenhouse gas emissions go uh then again you know yeah whatever it's funny saying ga- men are gassier than women yeah I get it. I get it. But you know what? Hey, as far as uh, creating uh, climate change and greenhouse gases, uh, men are currently ahead right now. So, yeah, women need to uh, need to catch up. <laughs> but anyway, that's not what I wanted to talk about today. I've got a lot of other things. We're going to be talking about the Acura Integra, the new one. Yes, there is a new one, and it is very exciting, though I'm on the fence about this car, as I am with, well, honestly, many modern cars, because it's it's purportedly going to be a sedan. Yeah, a sedan, an Integra, but it's a sedan, four-door sedan. Uh, I don't know. But but the good news is it's going to have a manual. So we'll look into that. Also going to be talking about a potentially dangerous TikTok trend, uh, and then as well as uh, left lane hogs. And at the end of the show, I'm going to be having a special guest joining me in studio. His name is Brian. He's an actual mechanic, and he's going to give me a run for my money with mechanical knowledge, and we're going to debunk some more mechanical myths. That is going to be really cool. You want to stick around to the end of the show for that. It's going to be really good. Also, of course, you should send in your car sounds to uh, me, Matt, at ThrottleWarrior.com. Get those featured on the show. Now, ladies, gentlemen, and the often forgotten, but not by me, Alpha GTV6, is let's talk about that Integra, because Acura released some teaser images, some brief kind of just sort of quarter panel shots of what the car might be looking like and uh you know and we saw those back in august okay so we we've we've seen those we've been able to look them over use a good chance you've probably seen them as well but last week acura confirmed in a cool little uh social media post on their twitter that the car is going to have a manual transmission. Yeah, this this is honestly one of those things, you know, save the manuals, right? Le manuels. And, um, you know, that's good. I, I like to see that a manufacturer is going to be selling something with a manual transmission. Now, when the fact is that manual transmissions account for, you know, single digits as far as percentage goes of uh, new car sales, especially in America. And um, but that said, that's going to be an option. It'll probably not be purchased with a manual as often as gearheads. And, you know, we would like to think it would, but it's going to have it. It's going to be there. And uh, I think that is a good thing. And of course, it'll be a Honda 
uh, manual transmission. And I mean, those are just legendary for uh, the feel, the engagement, the way the shifter feels, the clutch feel. I mean, you know, th there's supercars that don't have shifters nearly as good as some Hondas. Um, so I'm very excited to see that. And some rumors exist that the Integra is also going to be all-wheel drive. We're in the rumor stage on that, so I'm not going to delve too far into it. But I would say that would be interesting, and it would make sense, because Acura is discontinuing the uh, NSX, the new NSX. That's already going to be uh, being sent out to pasture, you could say. And uh, so they don't have a, a halo car. They don't have right now in their lineup a sports car that brings people to their brand, that makes people interested in Acuras. They just don't have that. So, um, you know, their idea with the new Integra is price it competitively. You know, don't don't price this at the cost of an NSX because it was proven that people didn't even want to pay NSX money for NSXs because uh, those really didn't sell all that well. But um they, they are going to position this car as a reasonably priced car, but they're going to market it as more of a halo car, which will be interesting because obviously you've got Honda and the uh, Civic Type R, uh, which, mind you, is also a four-door sedan as well. But, um, you know, that's a high-performance Honda. People really like that. And Acura is supposed to be a step above that still, at least in the American market. They're supposed to be that luxury step above Honda. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Now, knowing that they need to also differentiate the new Integra, which probably shares a lot of its platform with the newer Civic, just the platform in general. Um, what they need to do is differentiate that from the rest of the Honda lineup. And instead of just having another front-wheel drive sports sedan, they could do that by making it all-wheel drive. That would give it an edge to, you know, sell it for a little bit more money and, you know get people who are maybe thinking about getting the Civic Type R and push them over to getting that new Integra. Um, and I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's blasphemy. You can't have an Integra be all-wheel drive. That's not in the Integra spirit. Well, I think when you look at stuff that's already in the Integra spirit, we've, we've already departed from that by adding two additional doors to the car. Um, also making it bigger and chunkier. I mean, come on, look at the new Civics. They're not small cars in the traditional sense. So I, I'm at the point where it's like, why not give it all wheel drive? And then you're then suddenly competing as a brand with things like the, you know, like Subarus and uh, some more higher end uh, German cars, too, which, you know, a lot of BMWs featuring all wheel drive now. So I think uh, that would be cool. And by the way, if you do uh, take a look at the video that Acura posted on their Twitter feed, cool video showing the you know, the gear shifters you know, of all the previous Integras over the years, the first, second, third, fourth, you know, all the different generations, um, and the engine sounds with them. And I don't know if it's just just me, but but uh, here, here, I'm going to play a clip here real quick. Listen to this. So you, you heard that. So you heard the other cars first, and then you hear that last Integra, the last one, the new one, right? That almost, I didn't hear any turbo noises, but that almost sounds like it has a turbo to me. Like just the, the, sort, of, um, the sort of muted sound to that exhaust. It's a little muffled and it doesn't quite have the same resonance as, you know, a high revving, naturally aspirated, you know, like a K-series or something. And uh, we already know that Civic Type R has a turbo, so it's totally feasible to think that the new Integra is also going to have... A turbo. So, um, 
I mean, why wouldn't it if the, the Civic Type R does? So to me, that sounds turbocharged. And if it has all-wheel drive and it has a turbo and it has a manual and it's a Honda and it has that Honda build quality, I mean, I would be hard-pressed to compare that even to a WRX uh, Subaru. You know, if I was shopping a, a WRX and an Integra, I mean, if the, the Integra would be the one I would buy. So that's just my prediction. I think they are going to maybe it would be a smart business decision for them to make those all wheel drive now are they going to do that we'll see our honda fan fanboys going to cry about it if it's all wheel drive oh you bet they will you bet they will but hey what can i say i'm a honda fanboy too but i would like it to be all wheel drive because that's cool and um and, and you know looking at it this way they don't currently have another like sports car in their lineup if they're getting rid of the nsx that's gone uh they haven't made the s2000 since 2009 so that's way out of the window what do they have this is going to be their main car and to be competitive i think it's going to have all-wheel drive just uh just my two cents right there now anyway that's that is what it is let me know your thoughts on that by the way uh send them in along with your car sounds let's let's get those sounds on the show matt at throttlewarrior.com be a part of the show that's one of the great things about this show is i can involve you in the show and you can get your car on here. You can get your ideas on here. I read emails and comments. So send those in. That is going to be uh, pretty good. Just saying. Now, another thing I want to talk about here before we move on uh, is a dangerous TikTok trend that has been going around that's sort of legit, sort of not. Uh, there have been a multitude of news outlets reporting that teens for a TikTok challenge are now taking the lug nuts off of cars and waiting for people to drive away and see the wheels fall off, which seems a bit okay i wouldn't be surprised if people started doing that i mean you, you look at the stuff teens are doing now which is um like what was it like the last one i saw i'm not a very big person on tiktok myself but uh last one i saw was like the bathroom challenge where they're stealing whole toilets and sinks and stall doors i mean i wouldn't put it past them but that said when you actually look up this so-called lug nut challenge on tiktok um there's a few videos relating to it, but no means would I call this a dangerous trend. I wouldn't call it something that is uh, trending and, uh, you know, getting bigger and, oh, it's rampant now. No, I wouldn't say that. I would say some news outlets picked it up and kind of ran with it. Um, I mean, hey, local news stations, they're, they're sometimes pining for content uh, that that can happen. But uh, no, I think this isn't something that should be too worried about, but also I would say, let's not give anyone any ideas here. We don't need to be constantly checking our lug nut torque every time we drive our car. Um, I mean, for safety's sake, it wouldn't be bad if you did that, but uh, that's also kind of a pain. So uh, not everyone carries a torque wrench around with them. Now, one alternative to this, if it would be something that would concern you, would be um, getting locking lug nuts, because uh, I doubt kids going around with a, a socket are going to have a, a fancy spline lug nut wrench or a, a, one of those um, keyed ones either. I doubt that. I doubt that. But it is what it is. So yeah, if you're, if you know a kid or you are a kid, I mean, we're all kids inside. Yeah, don't do this. <laughs> it seems like a bad idea. But anyway, so next I'm going to be talking about uh, left lane hogs. There is a new study, by the way, about what people think the left lane is for and a disappointing number of them don't think it's for passing. So, uh, yeah, I want to tell you about that here in just a minute, but that is going to be right after this break. And now for how things work with an engineer. Engines. Speed. 
And that was how things work with an engineer. For more of how things work, go to patreon.com slash throttlewarrior. And we are back, rocking it for the second half of the show. Of course, uh, stay tuned for the third half of the show when an actual mechanic, his name is Brian, he will be joining me in studio to answer some of your car questions, some mechanic car myths. It's all around going to be fascinating and a really good time. But now before I get into that, um, I want to talk about this. I saw a guy, uh, this is from a, a news station, KSLA out of Shreveport, uh, Louisiana, and a man was being interviewed by a reporter about what he would do with his lottery winnings. And uh, he's he's on track for part of it, and then the other part of it, uh, maybe maybe not so much. Um, but uh, but here, just uh, take a listen to it. What are you going to do with that money if you win? Well, I'm definitely going to get a, a new supercharged Mustang with dual exhaust and about five kilos of cocaine. And I'll be good to go. Okay, so you like cars. You like yeah, cars. I love cars. Yep, yep. He wants that supercharged Mustang and um, something else on top of that. Now, I, I have to commend him for his taste in cars. That is good. Um, <laughs> I can't exactly back his, uh, his uh, narcotic habit, but uh, a supercharged Mustang, which he said with dual exhaust. Very important feature right there. Though, I'm pretty sure any new supercharged Mustangs come standard. With dual exhaust. So, I mean, he he could be asking for more, but he's not. But uh, I don't know. I, I heard that and thought it was just real funny. Uh, and the, the reporter was all like, oh, so you like cars. Um, yeah, she uh, she took that in stride. A, a professional reporter, to say the least. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, go figure right there. Supercharged Mustang and five kilos of Coke. Sure. Let it, let the man do what he wants. And, uh, well, <laughs> I can't, I can't back that, but, uh, Hey, if it's what he wants to do, it's what he wants to do, but, um, go figure now. Hey, the next thing, um, I want to talk about is left lane hogs. You've seen them all. Maybe you are one. Maybe, you know, someone who is one. Um, so I saw a study that came out that broke down what left lane hogs do and what percentage of people say what the left lane is used for. For. Like what what different things do people believe that that lane is used for? And 36 uh, percent of people say the left lane is for passing only and you should move back to the right as soon as you're done passing, which this is the correct answer, by the way. But I'll get into more of that later. Now, 13 percent of people say the left lane is the fast lane. And um, yeah, that's uh, maybe not the best answer. It is a faster lane, perhaps. Now, 40 percent of people uh, in the survey say the left lane is for passing, but it's also the fast lane too. It's a little bit of the first and second part. Now, this is where it gets great because 9% of people in this survey said they don't know what you mean. You don't know <laughs> what the left lane is for. It's just, it's just an extra lane. It's just there. I don't know. Uh, and then 2% of people say other and, um, I really want to know what they're thinking of and what they're using the left lane for. Um, other, that's a really really helpful answer to um, a survey. But I don't know, just breaking it down a little bit here. Uh, the 36% of people that say the left lane is for passing only and you should move back to the right once you're done passing are correct. And, and the reason I'm, I'm justifying this, A, is because that is um, how the law breaks down in many, many states. Uh, but also, when people say that the left lane is the fast lane, and I'll admit, I have occasionally been guilty of this, all right? I I think we've all done it, but uh, you just get kind of comfortable in that left lane. You're cruising, you're maybe doing a little over the speed limit, and you're just cruising in that left lane, just kind of, you know, 
The excuse is, well, I'm, I'm passing everyone anyway, just as I'm going along. Now, the problem with that comes when you regard that as the fast lane and someone else has a different definition of fast than you do. They could be going quite a bit faster coming up. And I mean, sure, are they breaking the speed limit? Probably, but that doesn't mean it's a justifiable thing to say, well, I'm already doing five over the speed limit. He could just wait. No, I mean, that's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, treating fellow motorists like people instead of, you know, seeing them as just another car, another thing, you lose that personal um, connection. Like you wouldn't necessarily do that if someone was right behind you in like a grocery store and you're pushing carts around or whatever. You wouldn't do that in person. Um, and not to mention, someone might actually have an urgent reason to get somewhere. It might be an emergency for them. You never know. Uh, and it's just generally not safe to be the slow guy when the dude who's doing a, you know, 100 miles an hour comes right up on your tail. Uh, you know, legally, again, I can't say he should be doing 100, but the fact is that still creates a uh, not safe scenario. And that's why you should still get back over into that right lane. Now, 40% of people who said that the lane is for passing, but also driving faster are sort of right. 50% right. Yeah, it's for passing. But just driving faster, I mean, you do have to be going considerably faster to be passing everyone. Um, so no, if you're honestly minding the speed limit, staying in that left lane, still not the best thing to do. And again, part of this study that says the 9% of people who don't know, they, they don't know. Like, how long have they been driving? This was a study of all drivers, by the way, not just random people. Like, the, the, you know, any, anywhere you are, that is on your, your driver's ed test. But, but uh, hey, what can I say? No, that said, uh, that's a whole nother topic for another day. The American driver's ed system is totally broken. Uh, but that is going to be a, uh, that's a topic for a different show. But let me just break down real quick one last thing, which is um, just how some of the states treat this, uh, which is interesting. I was looking up some of the actual laws on this. And uh, for instance, in Colorado, where I am, the left lane is reserved for passing where the speed limit is 65 or higher. So that doesn't necessarily apply to uh, smaller highways or um, just big streets in the city either. Uh, but interesting thing here, uh, which is from Hawaii and Honolulu prohibits driving more than five miles per hour under uh, the speed limit in the left lane. You could actually get ticketed for going five under in the left lane. Uh, and then some other states like uh, Florida and Georgia, uh, they both have similar uh, rules here. Slower traffic keeps to the right and all traffic uh, and yields to traffic coming in the left lane that is uh, approaching from behind at a higher rate of speed. So, you know, there we go. I think at the end of the day, we're all adults and we can generally figure out how to use the left lane. So, um, you know, I don't think any anyone here is too guilty of this, but uh, maybe you've got that friend, you know, Pass this along to them and just say, uh, yeah, next time you're uh, cruising in that left lane, just say, bring it back over to the right. Bring it back over to the right. Because, you know, someone does, someone's going to want to go a little faster than you. Just saying. So, all right, well, moving on to the uh, last segment of the show. This is going to be a really good one. We have a guest. He is on his way right now. He's going to be joining me in studio. His name is Brian. He is a mechanic. I can't wait to talk to him about all sorts of mechanical things. I think you're going to enjoy this. That's next. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. 
I'm Steve Turbocharge BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. For as little as $5 per month, you can put an end to Project Car's suffering and support your favorite podcast. Patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior. Donate now and receive special perks. Sponsored by Autoholics Anonymous and the Speed Council. All right, and welcome back into the third half of the show. Joining me in studio right now is a good friend of mine and a longtime mechanic. His name is Brian Conrad. He has uh, worked as a full-time mechanic uh, going on seven years now uh, for a Volvo dealership day in and day out. Now, he's also started his own business um, tuning uh, aftermarket ECUs, standalone ECUs, building wiring harnesses, all of the above, some really great work. And of course, one of my cars is running on a standalone ECU because of Brian. So, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, no problem, Matt. Yeah, so what we're going to do is um, I, I've brought Brian on board because we're going to talk about mechanic myths. What are things, you know, relating to cars, uh, you know, that are sometimes true, that sometimes people overhype or just have flat out wrong? So are, are you ready? Are you prepared? I hope I don't make myself sound stupid here. <laughs> no, I already do a good job of doing that to myself. So, uh, But the first one I want to talk about, and I talked about this last week on my show, which is battery storage. And my position on the show last week was saying that it doesn't matter if you store a battery on concrete because the old mechanic's tale, wives' tale, is that you can't, you can't do that because it's going to discharge the battery. Yeah, funny enough, I actually had some friends just, I think, like a month ago while we were working on their car, uh, was talking about this. And he's like, yeah, don't leave it on the ground, though. I was like, why? Like, what, what's, the, what's the deal? And he's like, hey, you didn't, you know, if you leave it on the ground, it'll, like, it'll like drain the battery. I'm like... How? <laughs> How's so? Yeah, and I think I don't think a lot of people realize that you can't just leave a battery on a shelf or anywhere for that matter without it discharging over a long period of time. So I guess there's been a myth now that if you leave it on um, a hard surface, cold surface or something, that it will drain the battery. Which, I mean, I guess it could be partially true because leaving batteries in the cold, as we know, like extreme colds, will reduce their their capacity. But it actually draining the battery faster, like right away. No, it's, I don't see. No, that's not a thing. So you're saying it's BS. It's not it's, true. It's BS. It's BS. Dr yeah. The concrete isn't going to suck the life out of your battery unless you leave it there for two years. But it's not really the concrete sucking the life out of the battery. No, it's you point. not charging or maintaining your batteries. See, and I think that's one problem people have that's like widespread. People leave the battery and they just leave it there and expect it to be good in like a year's time. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, oh, charged, I charged it up last year. Yeah, you, last year. Last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lead-acid battery, one of the one of the worst chemical batteries we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be as opposed to, I don't know, would it, would it be any different like talking about storage or cold storage, do you think, with like um, lithium-ion batteries being popular now with uh, like motorcycle batteries, you're finding a lot of those are lithium-ion now. Uh, lithium-ion batteries are a little different. Um, I believe the uh, requirements for those require them to be at a, like a certain discharge before storage, actually. Like with lead-acid batteries, the, the general consensus is you should always be charged. 
should never be like half di- left like left discharge or anything like that because they'll sulfate. But uh, I'm pretty sure even in like some of our new hybrids, if they say that if you're going to leave the car in an extended period of time of storage, to actually make sure the battery is discharged all the way before hmm. before before storage. Really? Yeah, I thought that was weird. That that is, and I don't know. Maybe that's how they lithium-ion batteries have to be stored to avoid damage or sulfating because you can still sulfate a battery like a lithium-ion battery right over time it can it can like uh, build i don't up. lithium lithium batteries don't sulfate because i don't believe they contain sulfur but um they i believe they can uh, be affected by uh was it memory uh like oh man i actually can't remember that one off the top of my head right now well we'll come back to that one yeah <laughs> we'll we'll come back to that one now so moving on to the next thing here um what about when people say another mechanic myth that you have to turn off the AC on your car before you turn the car off. Because if you leave the AC on, when you turn the car back on, it's going to make it harder to start. I've never heard that. Never heard that one. I've never heard that one. Do you think it's true? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I brought you on the show. Debunk this stuff. Yeah, it's um one of those things that, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say it and be like, you know, well, you can't, well, why did you turn your AC off? Oh, my car always starts slower when I leave it on. Typically the AC clutch is commanded either by the climate control module or the ECU in the car. So it's only allowed to activate, you know, if it's acceptable time. I don't know if that would affect during starting, but I'm pretty sure the computer would not command the uh, clutch to be on while a car is starting. That would make sense. Now, do you think that stems from like old cars maybe then? Do you think that's a, a myth that was perpetuated by like cars of the 50, or the 60s and 70s with big honking 70s AC modules and you stuff? Know, there, there are older cars that had AC systems that were so massive that they actually could stall the car out at idle. Like running into uh, like a freezing evaporator almost, but um, I don't I don't know actually on that one. Maybe I'm not old enough for that. Yeah. So a newer car then to answer that question would be no. no doesn't matter. Doesn't not matter. and maybe that is something that was passed on from generations past. Uh, I know you at one time were telling me how um, uh, there was a 240 you were working on for a friend who oh yeah had we were problem. driving it. you were driving it and it and actually did that thing where the uh the uh, pump finally overcame the torque the engine was putting out we <laughs> stalled in light that's yeah, awesome turned the air conditioning off yeah and that was an old what 1980 was it 80s or 70s it was volvo? An 85 volvo 240 85 volvo 240 so still not like a computer controlled clutch on there actually it's it's computer controlled engine but the clutch no the clutch is is totally analog using I think it was a pressure switch, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So then, so there you go. Again, uh, if you have a modern car, um, it doesn't matter if you leave the AC on or not. It does, does not matter. So now moving down the list here, we're going to go through these quick. Uh, how about this one? This is a really common one that even I think car people um, get wrong sometimes, which is uh, driving in the cold. Like if you cold start your car, should you just go or should you give it a second to warm up? Because the arguments I've heard for it um saying that you should let it warm up or uh, they stem from like old carbureted cars like well you gotta let the carburetor warm up and you know let the oil warm up but the argument i've heard even for modern cars is that well your oil's not at a you know viscosity that's ideal for driving yet when it's cold new cars are fantastic at cold starts with those new oil standards we have like the 0w16 0w20 0w40 um those cars get oiling faster they don't have it, it doesn't like turn into like like uh, thick goo 
it or wax. Actually, apparently, if oil gets cold enough, it starts to create wax deposits. I didn't know that. I was really I was learning that this morning. But um, with these new standards and like thinner oils, um, cold starts are really just not a big deal anymore. I mean, it, personally, me, I'll let my car if it, in the cold. I'll probably let it warm for, for like a minute or two mm-hmm. just to get the engine going, and then I'll just kind of casually drive. Yeah. But um, I think maybe on older engines, it's a bit more of a problem. Uh, probably not trying to uh, drive right away, but whether or not the car will start in the cold. Oh, that's true. <laughs> the yeah. starter having to work against all that friction. Well, and like you said, too, with batteries having a reduced capacity in the cold earlier as well. Oh, yeah, you're fighting a lot of things when the, when the, when the temperature starts to drop a lot. I mean, re- batteries that were already on their way out start to show their age. Uh, the oil viscosity shows itself. Um, and of course the, uh, mo- the, uh, technology in the car, whether or not it's carbureted or EFI or a newer form of direct injection. Yeah. It'll definitely pre- present itself. Okay. Okay. So again, here you go. You heard it here. Maybe first, uh, that it doesn't matter so much, especially on newer cars. Uh, if you just get in, turn the key and just go in that case. Yeah. I guess it couldn't hurt just to, you know, sit there for a minute, like a minute, but not like people, you know, in the past would, you know, spend five or 10 minutes warming their car up before they drive. Like, well, you can't drive on it cold or you shouldn't, shouldn't romp on it cold necessarily. Yeah. But. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guilty of that. Yeah. You just, you just start your car and you just go and send it. Yeah. So this is uh this is the, uh, you know, the thing of mechanic owned cars, you know, mechanic special cars. You find them on Craigslist mechanic owned. It's like, I would not touch that. <laughs> Depends on the mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but um, OK. So then the next thing here, less of a mechanical question, but more of a like mechanic service industry question, which is, um, does it matter if you go to the dealership or a private mechanic so much? Um, and, you know, not not thinking of like really specialty it's... cars, but. It's a good. It's a. It's a hard argument because, I think, from I'm a, I'm a bit biased in that sense because I mean I work at the dealership. Right, and you have for almost ten years. And basically. for me, it's usually like usually if it's involving another shop, it's involving in a way where they either screwed something up or they don't have the, uh, what is it the the they don't have the stuff right. essentially to get the car or the job done, and. Or there's something they just cannot figure out comes to the dealership. Uh, typically, I would I always would say that the dealership would be a better way to go, only because at least you know it's going to be it's going to have some sort of warranty, and you know it's going to be done as the factory intended. They have the most access to technical journals, um, like factory like tools, all that stuff. Whereas you know the mom and pop shop may be really good at one set of cars because they'd handle them a lot but when you throw them into another brand or something they'll they're not quite sure what they're doing and i've had i've had that happen we've had um we've had a couple of volvos for example volvos it's gotta be volvos right because oh, yeah, i work on the volvos just what you work on yeah um a lot of our new ones uh they have cam covers they don't have valve covers they they actually have the upper caps to the main or to the cam bearings built into the cover itself and that becomes a structural part of the engine and some of them didn't know that i guess we had a shop um i don't want to call any names here but they uh i guess they tried to reseal it and thinking it was a valve cover and they actually pried that sucker off with the pry bar damaging the surface and it's 
it's a piece that's machined to match the head, you know. Right, it's like line tone. You can't you can't just swap another one on there. It's machined so to fit with So they gouge the surface that seals and now it won't stop leaking oil. <laughs> wow. Plus, I mean, you're exposes the cams right away and if you don't have anything holding them in, I mean, there's just a lot of things that can go wrong. Right, right. And it could warp that too, right? It could warp the whole um uh, cam cover, basically. I think usually the, the, the biggest issue with the cam covers is when they're not removed properly. Because mm. there's like a half million freaking little 10 millimeter bolts holding them in. Right. It's not like a just a set on the outer edge. It's, I mean, it's a lot of bolts. Yeah. <laughs> I hate doing them. But um, uh, they actually sometimes will crack in pieces coming off. Because, I mean, they're just made of aluminum. Right. Especially just cast aluminum. It's not very strong or anything like that. And I have actually, like on a couple of my own little projects, I have managed to break those. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. So that's one argument, I guess, for going to um, the dealership is that they, you know, because a lot of people will say, you know, oh, I take my car to the dealership only. No one else touches it, only the dealer. Uh, Whereas in the same regard, you have people who say, no, I don't trust the dealership to do a good job on anything or whatever. They want to go to a, a little specialty shop. And I mean, for older cars and classic cars, you do find specialty shops like Euro. And guys that makes sense. That. You know, yeah. you don't want to see me working on an old classic car. It might give you a heart <laughs> attack. I'm going to see my belt buckle rub up against the paint. <laughs> <laughs> For clarification, that's uh, it's never happened before. No. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. but um, honestly, the only thing that I gripe about is just overall the, the cost that mm. is charged now for for labor and parts. Um, I feel honestly in the, in the automotive industry, uh, things are getting kind of expensive more really? than they should be. Really, but I guess everyone's kind of feeling their wallet lately. Well, and manufacturers making the cars, they're they're more expensive too. So, I mean, you have that to contend with as well, but then servicing them and parts, finding parts with, with the chip shortage now on the show here. Um, a couple episodes ago, I talked about the chip shortage as well and how that's affecting manufacturers, not only in what they're having to make, but how they make them. Their actual manufacturing process and their supply chain is totally different. Now. Oh, yeah. I mean, my speed you know, still hasn't shown up in the mail. Got <sighs> see, see, <laughs> see, that's going to be a thing on a later podcast. We're going to have to have you back on to talk about the Speedduino which is the affordable standalone ECU. For the hobbyist. For the hobbyist. You say hobbyist, but it takes some technical know-how like yours to actually get it plugged to get plugged in and working and wired up. But um, that's a whole nother topic that's going to be great. Maybe at a later date, we'll have you on the show to talk about that. Again, my guest is uh, Brian Conrad, a real mechanic, uh, not an enthusiast, ghetto, backwoods mechanic like me. I don't even call myself a mechanic. I just... I just break my stuff and have to fix it sometimes. So I, mean, I break my stuff and then I just buy another car because I don't want to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in your defense, you work every eight hours a day on cars. And see, that's one thing I don't understand is how you can work eight hours a day and then come home with the motivation to work on your own projects after that because you've got like 13 cars. Oh, you don't. You just fix your friend's cars. And then they go, so where's your car? And they go, oh, it's, um, it's over there in the corner. <laughs> Not running. Not running. Engines out of it. <laughs> Transmission's yeah. not doing so great. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got a couple more questions before it, for you before we wrap the rest of the show up. Um, and uh, skip shifting. Here's one for you. So like going in a manual transmission, first, third, fifth, instead of going first, second, third, fourth. I don't know anyone that does that. Actually, I, I've heard it's bad. Some people say not to do it. Like um, a lot of guys on forums will say, no, you're not supposed to skip shift. Whereas I think, I think the only thing you could do is wear the sinkers out faster because mm. the sinkers job is to get them to match speed and therefore they kind of act like a break. Yeah, I guess you could. 
I guess if the input and the outputs were going at significantly different speeds, trying to go from like first to third, you might encounter an issue. But that would you'd, you'd have to be like redlining it in first and then going into third to do that. I mean, to be fair though, how many broken manual gearboxes do you come across? Depends. Is it a W trans? You it know what? Well. That's that's a that's a drifter problem. That isn't is it? that is. Yeah, <laughs> they have a lot of problems. They have a lot of problems. I think the only t- I think at the dealership. As far as manual trans go, I think the only one I've ever seen fail was um, there was a Mazda tech who brought one of the ca- these cars in. It was one of the newer Miatas, and we were he was it, it had a blown transmission, manual okay. trans, six okay. speed. It's like how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, I guess I don't I don't know, but apparently this customer was um, taking it out of gear at a high speed, and then trying to put pressure on the shifter to bring it into first as he comes to a stop. And when you're doing that, although he had the clutch in, the pressure was actually pushing the sinker on the shaft, and I guess it was actually spooling up the input shaft way faster than it was supposed to go. I guess probably way faster than the engine actually revs. Mm-hmm. And it was actually um, it was wiping out the, the bearings and stuff in the trans. Really? And it was now- like his third one. Wow! Could not get the guy to understand to stop doing that behavior. Did they? Did they warranty it? Do you know? On like by I the think third the one? third time they said no, no to this to the <laughs> warranty. Wow! Because no one else has that problem. Right, right. With that car. Because I will say, when you're driving a manual and you're like clutching in, and if you're going into like third or you're coming to a stop, and you're if you do force it into first on most transmissions, you, you will still that it, feel you'll yeah. feel that resistance even though you've got the yeah. clutch in. You'll feel it doesn't really want to go into first. Yeah, and that resistance is probably the sinker saying, "Hey, buddy, they're not matched yet." Right. <laughs> Now Chill you could out. probably avoid that if you just rev matched into first, but it wouldn't work obviously if the if you're going too fast for first gear in general. Yeah, I mean yeah. if you're if you're doing sixty and you're trying to put it in first, even though you have the clutch in, yeah, you're gonna have problems. Mm. So don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. So don't do that. Okay. Last question here. Last question comes to new cars, which you have a lot of experience with working at a dealership, uh, getting new cars from the factory and prepping them and taking them out to the lot. Do you have to break in a new car when you get it from the dealer? Like, do you have to drive it carefully? Some people say when you get your car, don't, you know, go over 60 for the first thousand miles. Well, I think with the, like with the new oil requirements and stuff, I mean, personally, I don't see why it's a problem because I mean, they don't even give us instructions anymore for breaking periods. Really? Mm -mm. Really? Just to take it and send it. I mean, maybe it's because I don't work on exotic cars. But, I mean, our Volvos don't come with instructions saying, hey, for the first 1,000 miles, make sure you're very gentle with the with throttle and don't maintain the same RPM. This isn't, you know, 1980. <laughs> right, right. I have heard with some more performance cars that, that they do come with, like, a sticker on the dash saying, you know, for the first 1,000 miles, don't do that. But in general, so you're saying that that's really not something that's relevant. No, I don't think it is. I, I, I think my alpha has something like that in the manual really i can't remember i think it had something about breaking period but um it's italian though it is italian yeah. it's bad do you, <laughs> do you know and uh do you know if manufacturers do break in at the factory uh on engines or just drivetrains in general do they do they put them because i know sometimes they'll pull a car off the lot or the line and do and they'll test it but is that a regular thing that I don't know. I haven't mm. actually had a chance to go around one of the factories yet. Not yet. Not that lucky. But um, if you look at like Volkswagen's uh, setup mm-hmm. uh, with their factory, uh, um, it looks 
I mean, I've seen it kind of on display. I think we were talking about because we were watching that uh, Richard Hammond show. Oh, yeah. The the Richard Hammond's big. Fantastic uh, documentary series with Richard Hammond, by the way. Not doing too much of cars. Yeah. Great, great series. Yeah. Yeah. But um, they were delivering cars to customers out of the factory ready to drive off the lot. Hmm. And I don't think they were telling them, hey, you know, first out of the miles, be a little careful with your VW there. Right. Anything nowadays, it's... They're, they're probably built right, ready to go right out of the factory that way. Okay. So, I mean, things are so much more precise now. Yeah, that's true. That is true as well. So there you go. That is some mechanic myths. I want to hear more of these, by the way. Um, if if anyone has thoughts on these, if you have thoughts on these, send them into the show, Matt at ThrottleWarrior.com. What are some mechanic myths that we missed? So I can bring Brian, oh, Brian I'm back. I'm sure we missed plenty. Plenty. I mean, oh, I'm sure there's the decades of them. I mean, decades and decades of them. So, uh, but that way I can bring Brian back onto the show, answer some of your questions as well. And of course, I want to thank Brian for uh, joining me on this show today. And that is a wrap for the show. If you want to catch up on all things Throttle Warrior, check out ThrottleWarrior.com. And of course, subscribe to this podcast wherever fine podcasts and uh, this one are downloaded. Be sure to also subscribe to notifications on the podcast. You can do that on Apple. You can do that on Spotify, all of the above. And feel free to join me next week when I assemble a team to take on Ferrari. See you then.